I can say is thank goodness the all-star break is finally here. I think we all need it. And what better way to head into a week off than with a Sacramento Kings victory in Denver on the second night of a back-to-back -back against the defending champion Nuggets. The third time the Kings have beaten the Nuggets this season. By the way, happy Valentine's Day to all of us Kings fans, and have a great vacation, a great break, Kings players. You are listening to Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to PrizePicks.com/lockedonNBA and use code all lowercase Locked On NBA for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News, and I'll be honest with you, full transparency. I was expecting a Kings loss tonight. I was. After a hard-fought loss to the Phoenix Suns last night, second night of a back-to-back -back against the Denver Nuggets team that the Kings had already beaten twice this season with the Nuggets on the second night of a back-to-back, -back, I thought the table was set perfectly for the Kings to kind of limp into the All-Star break, for the Nuggets to get a little bit of revenge. But lo and behold, in true doesn't-make-Kings-sense fashion, the Kings find a way to win this game, and we're very happy for it. Look, we're all ready for this all-star break. We all need this all-star break. And the Kings certainly looked like they needed it in tonight's game. Now, first off, great win, right? Excellent win for the Sacramento Kings. The way this game uh, played out, the Kings starting scoring just 16 points in the first quarter, looking absolutely gassed, no legs on their jump shot. The offense isn't there. Defense was fine, and the defense actually ended up being better than fine, holding the Denver Nuggets to under 98 points. Remember, anytime the Kings can hold any team to under 100 points, it is worth celebrating, regardless of if that team is the defending champs or the worst team in the league. Doesn't matter. The Kings don't do it often, so when they do it, it's worth pointing out and worth celebrating. So the defense did well tonight. Offensively, it was a struggle for Sacramento, and typically, we know when the Kings struggle offensively, more often than not, they lose, and the Kings went down by 16 points at one point in this game. They did not quit. They led or got their first lead only in the fourth quarter, so they played from behind for most of the game. Again, second night of a back-to-back, -back, not just on the road, but on the road in elevation. It is not easy to play up in that, uh, that Denver elevation. It has a physical effect on your body, especially on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. The Kings fought. They overcome all of that. They punched their ticket to a well-deserved All-Star break, even though they don't have any All-Stars. Keegan Murray's the only one heading to Indianapolis to compete in the Rising Stars Challenge. So good for Keegan, I guess. But maybe it's a good thing, right? No Fox, no Sabonis, no Herter in the three-point contest, Monk in the dunk contest. Everybody, take a breather, right? Get a rest. You won a game shooting 27% from three-point range. The Kings have not done that very much at all this season. Typically, if the Kings are winning, they're shooting near 40% from three. When they're losing, they're shooting like 32% or worse. So for the Kings to have this poor of a shooting night and beat the defending champions on the second night of a back-to-back, -back, it speaks to the fight of Sacramento, which is great. I think it also speaks to, and if we're being honest here, 
it speaks to kind of the fatigue of the Nuggets too, right? The Denver Nuggets look like they were more ready for the All-Star break than anybody, right? They were slow too. They were fatigued. They had some good moments, but both teams played sloppy, ugly basketball. This was not a pretty basketball game by any means, but one team had to win it. Thankfully, that team was the Sacramento Kings, and there have been times this season where the Kings have won ugly basketball games, and I have not been happy with that result. Given the circumstances, the opponent, where we're at in the season, what the Kings are dealing with right now, I will more than happily take a very ugly victory like we saw here tonight. Really, the Kings look physically tapped, of course, this far into the season, right? They, they look exhausted, but they also look mentally tapped a little bit. And I think that speaks to a lot of the errors that we've been seeing. Really, since 2024 started, the turn of the calendar, I feel like the Kings have made more unforced turnovers and have not done a good job controlling the controllables. That's a big talking point of Mike Brown and a big pillar of, of what the Sacramento Kings try to do. There are certain things they can't control, right? Like officiating, what other teams are going to do, this and that, how the ball bounces, like stuff like that. The Kings can't necessarily control that, but they can control how hard they work on the defensive end. They can control their communication. They can control their rotations. They can control how much the ball is moving, right, versus isolation, one-on-one -on -one ball on offense. They can control them playing their game versus playing into the hands of the opponents, right? The Kings have struggled controlling the controllables really since 2024 began. They've had good moments in 2024, but for the most part, I think, consistently the Kings have been inconsistent in that area, if that makes sense. So that's where I'm really looking to this all-star break for the Kings to, of course, physically recharge, get some rest, get a breather, get away from basketball a little bit if you have to. Don't completely drop it, right? Stay in shape. Don't be like me on a vacation and sit on the couch and stuff your face with bad food and then try and return to, to peak performance when you come back, right? Don't do anything like that. And of course, these are professional basketball players, so they know how to handle themselves during an all-star break, but get some rest, recharge, physically get ready, right? That I look at guys like De'Aaron Fox, who looks like he's been playing banged up for a while, has had the shoulder issue, the ankle issue, hurt his wrist today going for a dunk in the first quarter. Look at guys like DeMondis Sabonis, who are a pinata for the rest of the league, get hit in the face every single time down the floor. Also, at one point, he was grabbing his thumb, the same thumb that he had injured last season. So physically, rest up, get right, get as healthy as possible because everybody's going to need to be as close to 100% as possible with the way the West is to finish out this season. But also mentally, right, recharge. Come back and hit the ground running when the Kings return to practice, whenever that will be, but certainly when they return to action against the San Antonio Spurs on, I think it's the 22nd in Sacramento. You have used up your get-out-of-jail-free cards or used up your safety net of bad losses against terrible teams, right? You've lost to the uh, Pistons at home. You've lost to the Charlotte Hornets at home. Like, you cannot, at this point in the season, with the way the standings are, the Kings still in eighth place after tonight's win, with the way the standings are, you cannot afford any more bad losses to bad teams, right? You have to beat San Antonio. So look, be ready to go, right? Be ready to, to attack that game, not with a weak mindset, not with a, oh, it's the Spurs or the worst team in the West, we should beat them. No, attack it like it's the defending champions again and you want to beat them and you want to send a message, right? The Kings came out of the all-star break last season, the hottest team in basketball. Like, they lit the world on fire during that, that start to the quote-unquote second half of the season. 
And that's what helped them secure that third seed. The Kings are going to need to come out hot again if they want any hope, in my opinion, of actually securing a playoff spot. I'm talking a top six seed. Certainly not the third seed. I think the top four, I think home court advantage is pretty much out of reach. I could be wrong, but I feel like those top four are solidified. But five and six still up for grabs. And if you can avoid the play-in game and play-in rounds altogether, absolutely do so. Because all of us in Sacramento are starting to have this nightmare. It's starting to creep into the back of our minds. What if the Kings meet the Warriors in a single play-in game? That is close to worst-case scenario. Not because I don't believe that the Kings can beat the Warriors in a one-off game. Both teams are 2-2 two and two against each other this season. But because Game 7 all over again, Steph Curry steps up, is probably going to score 80 points to lead the Warriors to that win. We're all thinking it, Kings fans. We're all thinking it, right? Avoid those scenarios altogether. You're going to need to play your best, I think, or close to your best for the remainder of this season to secure a top six seed. Even if you don't have home court advantage, does not matter. Get yourself into the playoffs. Avoid the play-in at all costs if you're the Sacramento Kings. So use these next seven, eight days to rest physically, recoup mentally, and attack that second half of the season. All right, let's switch gears now. Nuggets fans, I know you're watching. I know you're watching because I saw all you bookmarking my stuff on Twitter after the Kings defeated the Nuggets a week ago. When I, I put out there, I had the audacity to put out there that DeMontis Sabonis outplayed Nikola Jokic. Oh my God, how could you say such a thing? Raise a banner, Sacramento Kings. He outplayed him for one game. Sabonis isn't even in the same area code as Nikola Jokic. Yada, 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 yada. I saw it. I read it all. I dealt with it all. My mentions were on fire, even with me being in Las Vegas covering the Super Bowl. I couldn't escape it. You all had your fun. Oh, uh, the Kings celebrating a regular season victory. Oh, Sabonis can only beat Jokic on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. Here we are again. The Kings on the second night of a back-to-back -back this time. In your own building. Elevation advantage. Sabonis outplayed Jokic again. He did. He outplayed Jokic again. What do you want me to say? 20 points, 13 rebounds, 7 assists, 3 steals. He's now at 32 straight, I'm sorry, 36 straight double-doubles. I think that's right. I got to check on that because I my chicken scratch, I can't tell if I'm 32 or 36. He has a lot of double-doubles. <laughs> and it's the longest double-double streak now since Kevin Love's 53 double-double streak, which is incredible, from 2010 to 2011. Meanwhile, Jokic, 15 points, 5 rebounds, 8 assists. Now, Jokic looked very ready for the All-Star break. Don't even blame him, right? Don't blame him whatsoever. Like, Jokic looked tired. He looked gassed. He and the Nuggets, period, were very frustrated with the officiating in this game. Jokic was lucky he didn't get tossed. Shout out Mike Malone. Of course, we love him. Former Sacramento Kings head coach, now doing great things with the Denver Nuggets. Mike Malone saved Jokic from getting tossed by nearly getting tossed himself and getting a technical foul so Jokic wouldn't pick up his second one. Great move there by Mike to, to save Jokic from getting tossed. But regardless, like this is clearly not Jokic's best. I don't think Jokic was giving 100% by any means. I don't think he was. I can be honest and admit that. But regardless, the Kings are 3-0 and against the Nuggets this season. We know Sabonis has outplayed Jokic in two out of those three games. I won't say all three because Jokic had a better stat line, in my opinion, than DeMontis Sabonis did, even though the Kings beat the Nuggets early this season 
uh, in Sacramento. Regardless, like, facts are facts. Reality is reality. And I, again, I bring all this up not to, well, one, it's fun to take a little victory lap here because they're few and far between with us in Sacramento. And yes, regular season wins matter more to us than the Denver Nuggets do because we're the Kings. Regular season is kind of all we really know, <laughs> right? I mean, we got the playoffs last year, but let's just be honest with ourselves, right? So we're having fun with it. It's victory laps. When you're the defending champions, there's a target on your back. And anytime you can defeat the defending champions, fan bases are going to celebrate that a little bit more, right? But the reason why I'm taking these victory laps, the reason why I'm being obnoxious about it is because initially to point out how well Demonis Sabonis has played against Jokic, how many times Sabonis has beaten Jokic. By the way, Sabonis is 6-0 and this season against Jokic, AD, and Carl Anthony Towns. It has nothing to do with those three players. It has everything to do with Sabonis, how Sabonis is looked at, and how Sabonis is treated. He's not an all-star. He's undermined. Empty calories, right? He talked about and, and diminished in so many ways, including by Denver Nuggets fans who refuse to acknowledge the reality that no Sabonis is not as good as Nikola Jokic. No Sabonis isn't better than Nikola Jokic. We're not dumb. But DeMondis Sabonis is the closest thing in this league to Nikola Jokic. DeMondis Sabonis is the only other player who is capable of doing what Jokic does. Jokic is the master. He's the two-time MVP for a reason. Going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. One of the greatest international players of all time. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. But there is not a thousand-foot drop-off between Jokic and Sabonis. There isn't. And Nuggets fans refuse to acknowledge that. They refuse to acknowledge it because Jokic is so good and they've gotten so used to this unbelievable pedestal that Jokic is on, which rightfully so, right? Defending champion, all that. I give him all his flowers. But Kings fans, I bring up Sabonis in comparison to Jokic so much because, again, Jokic gets all this praise for the things that he do, does. Sabonis has passed him by a healthy margin now in triple doubles. Has been ahead of him in double-doubles. Second straight year ahead of him in double-doubles. Second straight year out-rebounding him. And for Sabonis, it's, we have to see this, or he hasn't done that, or empty calories this. There's always excuses. It's about how Sabonis is looked at and talked about around the league. So that's why I bring it up. That's why I take these victory laps. Plus, Nuggets fans were so much in their feelings about it. It was kind of fun. I'm not going to lie. But look, Jokic's a great player. Denver Nuggets, they're going to be just fine. They're in a much better position in the standings than the Sacramento Kings are right now. We can acknowledge that. We can have our fun with that. And we can also point out the reality that when it comes to head-to-head -head matchups this season, DeMondis Sabonis has outplayed Nikola Jokic. Would it be the same in the playoffs? I don't know. And maybe we'll get that opportunity to see. Everybody should probably put their money on Jokic versus Sabonis in a playoff series. Sure. And I hope we get the opportunity to see that. That being said... The basketball in front of us, what we're seeing right now, point to your ring finger all you want, Nuggets fans. Congratulations. You won a championship. Whoop-de-doo for you. Happy for you. Was rooting for you. Literally rooting for you because of Mike Malone. But during the regular season, Sabonis is playing really, really well. He's continuing to play really well, having the best season of his career, and is undermined at every turn. If they're going to do that outside of this building, you best believe in this building and on this podcast, I'll continue to, to talk about how great he is so that somebody, anybody, understands. Like I said at the top of the show, today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you 
by Price Picks. Price Picks is America's number one fantasy sports app with over three million members. It's the easiest, most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. You pick more or less on two to six player stat projections. You can win up to 25 times your money, at least with the base system. Now, they also have uh, their, their, their demon options, right? There are these extra risky stats, right? Let's say, for example, uh, demon options for a Sacramento Kings game might be the normal option is more or less than 27 and a half points for De'Aaron Fox. But the demon option might be more than 30 and a half points. Well, you pick that, you hit that, plus four other or three other demons, you can win up to 100 times your money. Yeah, there's a lot of cash to be made on prize picks. And speaking of DeMontis Sabonis, you talk about a gold mine on prize picks. DeMontis Sabonis, if you want to win on prize picks, I'm telling you, take the over on something. Rebounds, points, combination of points, rebounds, and assists. I tell, I'm telling you, Sabonis hits it almost every single time. So take advantage of that. Take advantage of your Kings knowledge, your NBA knowledge, your NFL knowledge, whatever it may be, and have some fun on prize picks. So many of your friends, so many media members, everybody, we're playing prize picks because it's a lot of fun. It's the number one way to play daily fantasy sports, like I said, and it's also really simple to play. I can make my selections in 60 seconds or less right before tip-off of a game if I want to. So go and play prize picks uh, right now. Make sure you go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. All this time singing the praises of DeMondis Sabonis, and rightfully so, but we got to talk about De'Aaron Fox, too, specifically Swiper the Fox. Of course, Swiper, no swiping, if you understand the Dora the Explorer reference. And De'Aaron has been swiping a lot over the last handful of games, right? His steals are up, 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 and he had some big steals during a return of clutch Fox fourth quarter to help the Kings secure this victory. De'Aaron tonight, 30 points after scoring 40 last night. Eight rebounds, eight assists, two steals, only one turnover. I point that out because last night, I think De'Aaron turned the ball over six times, if I'm not mistaken. It was either five or six times. He and Monk had 11 turnovers between the two of them. Tonight, De'Aaron Fox took care of the basketball. Great to see. Great bounce back. And there was a lot of conversation going into yesterday's game against the Phoenix Suns that Fox wasn't scoring enough, right? There were five straight games or something like that, or four straight games where Fox hadn't scored 20 or more points. Well, here's 70 points in the last two games, including 15 points in the fourth quarter tonight, and he scored 10 straight to help the Sacramento Kings win this game. Now, De'Aaron Fox, let's be honest, De'Aaron Fox has not been as clutch this season as he has been last season. Let's also be real about something, too. The Sacramento Kings themselves have not been as clutch this season as they've been last season. Part of that is, I think, some drop-off on their end, especially offensively, some step-backs on their end. A lot of it also has to do with the Kings don't catch anybody by surprise anymore, right? Teams know. I mean, teams had an idea ahead of time that if it was a close game, the Kings were probably getting the ball to De'Aaron Fox. Duh. But, I mean, Fox and the Kings put on a clinic of fourth-quarter scoring and fourth-quarter execution last season. They won so many close games last year just by winning that fourth quarter and taking control at the end of games. This season, they've struggled with that a little bit more because teams are doing a better job not letting the Kings get to their spots. Also, in the case of last night against Phoenix, Sacramento has been making some mental mistakes. Mistakes like bad fouls before inbounds passes or, or not securing the rebound after a missed free throw in crunch time and allowing uh, uh, like the Phoenix Suns to go back to the foul line after missing a free throw and, and icing that game at the line. Right, Mistakes that Kings have made this season. 
So the clutch play by De'Aaron and the clutch play by the Kings, period, has not been as good this season as it was last year. That being said, here's De'Aaron again showing, yeah, I'm still that guy. I still can be that guy. And thankfully, it's not just, let me hit that step back three that he's really added to his game this year that sometimes, and I know other Kings fans feel this way, sometimes it feels like he relies on that a little too much. Well, he wasn't tonight. He was getting downhill, getting to his spots, getting to the rim, getting some great steals, leading to transition baskets. Like, this was just a reminder of, like, how great De'Aaron is. And I know part of the frustration is we know De'Aaron is great. Like, we've seen it. And we know he can be that every single night. Just why isn't he? Now, I don't know the answer to that, right? It's... How, why De'Aaron is great some nights and not great the other nights. I don't know if that's an issue with him. I don't know if that's a, a fatigue issue. I don't know what the situation is. Like, if I knew that, I'd be a probably superstar sports psychologist and would probably be on the Kings payroll to help him figure that out. I don't know what it is. I don't. I'm not going to diagnose him with anything. I don't know what it is. I can just make assumptions based off of what I'm watching. But... I've talked about this a lot recently, and it's stuck in my brain since Monty McNair's press conference. I just think this Kings team has been coasting, and they're coasting too much. And it looks like they were coasting into this All-Star break and hoping they could coast for as much of the remainder of the season as possible into the playoffs. And then once they get to the playoffs, that's when they're going to explode. That's when you're going to see the improvement. That's where you're going to see what they learned from that first-round playoff exit against the Warriors last season. And I get that to some extent. Look, I have every confidence in the world that if the Kings get back to the playoffs, I would like to say win, but at this point with the standings, if. If the Kings get back to the playoffs, I have every confidence in the world that De'Aaron Fox is going to be a superstar again. Every confidence in the world. Because I, I, I said that going into Fox's first playoff series, and I've been saying that for years in Sacramento. Once Fox got to that stage, people were finally going to see how good he was. Lo and behold, he had one of the best playoff debuts in NBA history last year. He was a beast in that playoff series against the Golden State Warriors until he hurt his hand, broke his finger, right? So I have every confidence in the world that even if De'Aaron is not playing his best basketball and not as, is not the clutch player of the year this year and playing as well as he was at the beginning of the season or as well as he was in the second half of last season, if the Kings get to the playoffs again, I know the Kings have a bona fide star that they can win with. I truly believe that in De'Aaron. But the question is, how can they get there? How do they get there without De'Aaron having to be that? Or if De'Aaron is not able to be that until that stage? Again, maybe you can, maybe you can use that as a criticism of Fox, that Fox needs to get to the playoffs or needs to get to that stage or needs to get to big games before showing up as that big game superstar player. I don't know. I know he came out of the gate this season playing like an MVP. And hopefully, with this All-Star break, him getting some rest that can recharge the batteries and maybe get him back to playing that level of basketball. Look, anytime Fox can score 70 points in two games combined on back-to-back -back nights, that's worth celebrating and that's worth pointing out. There are elements of De'Aaron Fox's game that we quite honestly take for granted. There are other, also other elements of De'Aaron Fox's game where it's like, we know you're better than this. Be better. Right? Fox needs to figure that out, just like the Sacramento Kings need to figure out how to secure that playoff spot. They can't coast. They have to earn it. They have to go and get it. But they can't go and get it by burning the candle at both ends and having De'Aaron Fox physically or, or figuratively limp his way 
into the playoffs because they're going to need Fox at his best if they want any chance of making it out of the first round this year or making any sort of playoff run period. Let's talk about Kevin Herter for a second. This has been a big talking point in Sacramento over the last 24 hours. I did not catch this because I was watching the uh, I was watching the game in Phoenix last night at our uh, Locked On Kings watch party, and so apparently there was an incident. I still haven't actually seen it, but apparently there was an incident early in the fourth quarter or an incident between Kevin Herter and Mike Brown where Mike called a timeout, yelled at Herter. Herter went back at Mike a little bit, sat down on the bench, didn't come back in for the rest of the game. The very next night. Kevin Herter plays 26 minutes through the first three quarters. Didn't play at all in the fourth quarter. Suddenly, to start the fourth quarter, here comes Chris Duarte in the game. Chris Duarte, who's played three minutes since January 25th. Like, I trust Mike almost 100%, almost wholeheartedly. Now, I'm not going to blindly follow Mike, although sometimes I'm, I'm pretty close to it. Like, I love Mike Brown. I trust Mike Brown completely. I know Mike Brown has actually been in the position to get a team from good to great. and He knows how to do it way better than I do and way better than most of us, if not all of us do here in Sacramento. Right? Mike knows how to do it. So for the most part, I trust Mike. If there's one area, one area that I have the most criticisms or most doubt in my mind about how Mike has handled anything, it's how he's handled Kevin Herter. I just disagree with how he has handled Kevin Herter. I do not think he has done his job and put Kevin Herter in an optimal position to succeed, or at the very least, taken advantage or used the abilities that Kevin Herter has correctly. If you believe that the Kings have to be this sort of way and play better defensively, and, 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 and this is the way that they build, and Kevin Herter does not fit that mold, okay, I get that. Long term, I get that. Maybe the Kings should have moved him at the trade deadline. And to be honest with you, I think the writing is on the wall. I think Kevin Herter's days in Sacramento are numbered. I would be very surprised, very surprised, if Kevin Herter was a Sacramento King come October next year when we're at opening night of the 2024-2025 season. That's how I feel at this point in time. That being said, Kevin Herter is on your team now. Kevin Herter is going to be on your roster from now through the end of the playoffs. He is one of the best shooters in the league, and we've seen how effective he can be when he is on, how important he is to the spacing and flow of the Sacramento Kings offense. The offense that is the primary strength of your team. I know you're trying to improve defensively. You need to improve defensively if you want to get to that championship status. But you also have to be real with the players on your roster. Kevin Herter is too good to play 26 minutes and then disappear. Granted, tonight, he did look a little fatigued. He wasn't necessarily knocking down his shots. Some of his shots were a little bit short. Like, I'm not saying if Kevin's having a bad night, you absolutely have to sit him. And I understand, too, I acknowledge that Chris Duarte, I thought, came in and actually provided some really good minutes. So maybe tonight is a bad example. But I do not think Kevin Herter should be getting yanked and completely taken out of games in the fourth quarter, especially close games, as often as he has been recently. I just do not agree with how Mike Brown has handled Kevin Herter at this point in time. And I know I'm not alone in that because I heard discussion about this on D'Lo and KC today. I read a lot about it on social media today. I'm pretty sure there was a discussion about it on, on, on Sacktown Sports 1140 uh, radio as well. Like, we're all seeing it. We're seeing it play out in front of our eyes. And I don't know the inner workings. I don't know what Kevin is doing or not doing, what he's being told to do, and if he's blatantly ignoring it, if he has an attitude issue or anything like that. I don't have any indication to believe that that is the case. 
But what I do know is you have this player, an important player, who absolutely is a starter on this roster. Maybe there's a better argument out there that Malik should be starting over Kevin Herter. I think a lot of us agree that Malik is the better player for the Kings than Kevin Herter is. That being said, Mike Brown is stubbornly stuck to Malik as the sixth man and is coming off the bench for this team. That means that Kevin Herter is the next best option at your starting two-guard spot, period. He can't be losing his minutes all the time to, to Keon Ellis or Chris Duarte, who maybe give you a little bit of a defensive boost and a little bit of defensive upside, but consistently are nowhere close to making the impact offensively that Kevin Herter does. I just disagree with how the Kings are using Kevin Herter. And I think the Kings are going to need Kevin Herter to be playing to his strengths. and The Kings are going to need to figure out how to implement Kevin Herter and be, get him more involved consistently if they want a shot of securing a playoff spot and if they want a shot of making it out of the first round of the playoffs. That's just my read on the situation. Let me know how you feel about that. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all need the opportunity just to get something off of our chest, whether it's a big thing or a small thing, certain things can really start to get to you. It's important to let that out, especially to someone who is unbiased, who is a professional, licensed professional, who can come and, and, and sit down with you and help walk you through the struggles of life. Look, I know you've heard me talk about this before if you're a consistent listener to Locked on Kings. I love BetterHelp as a sponsor because it helps me send a message about the importance of mental health and, and the importance of therapy. I started seeing a therapist when I was, uh, or during, during COVID. I've seen my therapist for the last three, nearly four years. His name's TJ, amazing guy. TJ helps me walk through things that I didn't even realize were issues, things from my childhood, things from my past, things that had become who I am as a person that I didn't want, but I didn't realize was there. We all carry baggage in life, right? It's not just massive mental problems that people deal with. Although if you're suffering from that too, I beg you to go and get some help and speak to somebody, talk to somebody about it but we all have little things that turn into bigger things that we don't even realize are weighing us down, right? That's where BetterHelp comes in because we also have very busy schedules, right? Our lives are chaotic. Not, not a lot of us have time to sit down for an hour or to go somewhere to sit down on some couch and talk to somebody. That's where BetterHelp comes in. Help, BetterHelp can help you handle all of this to get connected to licensed therapists, to get the help that you need completely online to fit your schedule and you can even switch therapists for no cost. If you get connected to a therapist and it doesn't necessarily work for you, you're not feeling that bond, which is very important, then try another one. BetterHelp's not going to penalize you or uh, uh, make you pay for that. Therapy can be a difference maker for everyone, and most of us have bigger problems than just rooting on our sports team and dealing with the losses and the roller coaster that our sports teams put us on, right? If you're thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. In addition to the great game that De'Aaron Fox had, awesome game from DeMontis Sabonis, shout out Harrison Barnes. HB, nice bounce back night. Has continued to play better or played, he's had better games more than bad games since 2024 began, which we love to see, and we're happy to be able to say tonight, 20 points, 6 of 9 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3-point range, 5 rebounds, which we love to see that number, 1 block for Harrison making an impact outside of just scoring, but when he's scoring, he's doing so efficiently. I still would like to see him maybe take more than 9 shots in a game where he's feeling it like this, but again, this goes to show you, Harrison doesn't need a bunch of shots to make a noticeable, 
scoring impact on a game. So it's a really solid Harrison Barnes game that might be brushed under the radar, might kind of flow under the radar with how he plays in comparison to Fox, Sabonis, and the other kind of marquee Kings players, but it's one that shouldn't go overlooked. Now, before we wrap up, I do want to talk about Keegan Murray and the slump that he is in. You talk about the Kings needing someone to make their way through this. We know Keegan Murray is looked at as a core piece of this Kings team. Many of us coming into the season were hoping that Keegan Murray could become the big, the, or the third piece of a big three here in Sacramento and certainly be that when the Kings got to the playoffs again. Well, it's better that Keegan is going through these struggles now than when you get to the playoffs, but ultimately we can all see that this has been a down season for Keegan, at least offensively, at least shooting the basketball. And he's in his second, I would say, major slump this season. Sophomore slump, if you want to call it that. Now, what should we be concerned about and what is not concerning at this point? I'll lay it out. I have three things here. What's not concerning, what's a little bit concerning, and one thing that I am concerned about. Let's start with what I'm not concerned about. I'm not concerned about Keegan being able to still make a positive impact on a game, even on nights where he's struggling, right? He is established himself as the best defender on this Kings team, period. He's the best isolation defender in the NBA statistically this year. I know Keegan can make an impact. He had five rebounds tonight. He's had 20 rebounds over his last three games. Keegan is capable of doing more than just score the basketball. So as the slump carries on, it's not like maybe some other guys on the team where it's like, okay, the shot's not falling. He's not getting you anything. Get him out of the game, right? Keegan is still making an impact. I'm not concerned at all about Keegan's ability to work his way through the slump while still helping the Sacramento Kings in other areas and ultimately helping them win basketball games. I am a little bit concerned about the three-point shooting because while Sacramento wanted Keegan to come into the season and wanted Keegan to be more than just a spot-up three-point shooter, which of course he was last year, breaking the NBA record for three-pointers in a season as a rookie, right? Keegan was so good from three-point range. This season, we wanted to see, okay, can you become a three-level scorer? Can you attack from the mid-range? Can you get to the basket? Be more aggressive getting to the rim. Get to the foul line. Well, Keegan's been trying to do that more, has done a better job getting to the basket. His foul, he's still not getting to the foul line nearly enough at all. That being said, just like the Kings have sometimes gone away from their primary strength on the offensive end, Keegan's three-point shooting is his primary strength on offense. It is. And that has gone down. It's taking a step back. This season, he's down to 35% from three-point range. And he's now shooting 20% in the month of February. Now, the good news is we've seen him work through slumps before. We saw him do it this season, right? In November, he shot 26% from three-point range. He's had really bad shooting months before. He followed that up with a 44% month in December and 39% month in January. So we know he can work through it. That's why I'm only a little bit concerned about his three-point shooting. But the Kings will need that floor spacing. They will need that shooting and that consistency from the perimeter, certainly in the playoffs and in this road to the playoffs, I believe. Finally, the thing that I am concerned about, and I've talked about this before, so I'll just reiterate it quickly. While Harrison has started to kind of take a step forward and, and be more involved, and while Harrison is starting to succeed, that's where we've kind of seen the decline a little bit of Keegan. And I know there are theories out there. James Hamm laid out a really good theory. James Hamm from the Kings B and the Insiders on ESPN 1320 talked about how a lot of the first half of the season was trying to emphasize uh, Keegan and, and make him a part of the offense and, and, and get him more involved offensively and kind of open him up to that bigger offensive role. And because of that emphasis, 
guys like Harrison and Kevin were kind of taking steps back, were forced to take steps back. Now in the second half of the season, you've had a half to work on that. Now the second half is, okay, we got to get everybody more involved because this isn't working. Harrison's disappearing. Kevin's not making an impact. We need to go a little bit away from Keegan and not emphasize him as much. I, I kind of like that theory. And if that's the case, then the Kings need to find a way to still be able to get positive impacts more often than not out of everybody. I'm not saying there aren't going to be nights where Harrison's on and Keegan's off or vice versa. We saw it tonight, right? That's natural. Not everybody's going to have a great night at the same time. Although when the Kings do have great nights at the same time, this team is unbeatable. But you cannot have a stretch in the playoffs or in this run of the playoffs where Harrison's maybe up to 15, 16, 17 points per game and Keegan is down in the 6, 7, 8 range. You got to find the balance there. You got to find the consistency. That's what I'm concerned about at this point is can the Kings get close to the best out of Keegan or, or a consistent good out of Keegan and Harrison and Kevin and other role players at the same time. What are your thoughts, what are your thoughts about tonight's game? What are you most looking forward to about this All-Star break? Certainly not going to be the All-Star festivities except for Go Keegan and the Rising Stars Challenge. Looking forward to that. I'm just looking forward to this Kings team getting a rest. I'm looking forward to us as fans getting a rest to some extent. Now remember... Locked on Kings will be keeping going through all of it. I have great guests scheduled. We'll look at the second half of the season and really gear up for what I believe is going to be a wild playoff race in the Western Conference. It's going to be crazy. We've got to gear up for it. So we'll talk about it. We'll preview it. Locked on Kings is not going anywhere over the next week. We will get through these nights without Kings basketball and, of course, get you ready for Kings and Spurs when the Kings return inside the Golden 1 Center. Because after that, it doesn't get any easier, right? you got the Clippers. You got the T-Wolves, you got the Nuggets again. Like, it's not getting any easier. So the Kings got to be ready to go. Hopefully they can come out of the All-Star break the same way they did last season, go on a run, and get themselves back firmly into the playoff picture. Let me know your thoughts on this first half of the Kings season. Anything you want to talk about Kings basketball-wise, reach out to me at MattGeorgeSack on Twitter. Email me, MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com, and leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. Until next time, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. I love you all. I wish I had candy to give you, but I don't. But I appreciate you. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Locked on Kings. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.